0: It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox.
1: This is Bonus Benson. This segment is officially completely off the rails.
0: What are you talking about? Stuff we wish never aired. I will eat chalupas all day long. Come on, man. The Guy Benson Show. From 31 yards...
2: And Cincinnati is heading to the Super Bowl. He called it again, I'm sure. He walked up and he goes, can you believe, coach? We're going to the Super Bowl. And they did it. They beat the Hums at home. Wow, Joe Burrow.
1: Home stretch on the Guy Benson Show on this Monday. That was the call. CBS Sports, Jim Nance, Tony Romo yesterday. The first game of the championships. And you heard it there, the Cincinnati Bengals walking off with a field goal in Kansas City to advance to the Super Bowl. And then last evening, it was the Los Angeles Rams at home in another very good close game, beating the 49ers of San Francisco. They will be back in the Super Bowl for the second time, I believe, in three or four years. They were just there not long ago against the Patriots where they lost. That was kind of a snoozer. But Rams-Bengals upcoming in two weeks – And joining us here to close out the show today and talk about it, as well as another major NFL rumor, is Matt Napolitano, sports reporter for Fox News Headlines 24-7, Sirius XM Channel 115. Matt, welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me, guy. All right, so big picture question. Just looking back at the last two weeks of the NFL playoffs, I know that I guess the Rams-Niners finish wasn't technically a walk-off. The Rams were able to take a knee after that big interception. But the game was in doubt. The outcome was in doubt within the two-minute warning and down to just you know the last minute or so of the game. The previous five consecutive games, dating back to the divisional weekend last weekend, the previous five games were walk-offs which is kind of unheard of, can you recall a better NFL playoffs all in from an entertainment standpoint in your adult lifetime as a sports fan?
2: I honestly can't. These last two weeks, football fans have been spoiled rotten. With the fourth quarter down to the buzzer or overtime thrillers that we've gotten, and the fact that as the end result, you've got a total underdog that no one anticipated reaching the Super Bowl and the Cincinnati Bengals going up against a team that went really all in on this season in the Los Angeles Rams and trying to acquire as many mega stars as they could to really stack the deck. And now we're set up for what should hopefully be a great showdown two weeks from now in Los Angeles. I don't know how you can count out
1: Cincinnati. I know that they will almost certainly be the underdogs in this game, but I think that's a role that they're used to thriving in, certainly down the stretch of the regular season and then here in the postseason. Joe Burrow, guy's just a winner, right? And time and time again, they're going on the road into tough environments and winning. They will kind of sort of be on the road again for the Super Bowl.
2: Ironically, the uh, Cincinnati Bengals are technically the home team for the Super Bowl, which is kind of funny because <laughs> they're playing at the LA Rams' home, of SoFi Stadium. But yeah, this is just what Joe Burrow does. You know, we saw it at LSU when he won the Heisman, and now he has a chance to become just the third quarterback in history to win a college national title and a Super Bowl. In the likes, he'd be joining a, two fellow Joes. Actually, he'd be joining Joe Namath and Joe Montana. So it's going to be really interesting to see how Burrow steps up. I mean, it's just been absolutely impressive what the Bengals have managed to pull together after spending the last two seasons as really cellar dwellers. I mean, they were 6-25-1 the past two years, and now here they are at a shot at their first Super Bowl win in franchise history, their third appearance all time. It's going to be an interesting matchup against a really tough Rams defense.
1: You know, Matt, part of the reason, and I'll see if you agree or disagree with this, part of the reason I think that this postseason has been especially exciting, and I say that, by the way, as someone without a strong rooting interest, My favorite NFL team was nowhere near the playoffs, and I'm not even a huge NFL guy in general. I prefer college football, college basketball to the pros. But what has been especially cool about some of these games is that it wasn't nip and tuck back and forth wire to wire in all of these contests there were a number of games including the Kansas City game yesterday with the Bengals coming back to win where it kind of looked like the game might be slipping away or never really felt like one of the teams was that competitive until all of a sudden they were and they were back in it and then they won I mean watching the first half yesterday the game at Arrowhead you kind of got the sense all right the Chiefs Might be squandering a few opportunities, like at the very end of the half where they came up empty. Like, that's that's not great. They probably wanted at least three points there. But they seem to have this thing in hand. And then, boy, they didn't. There have been some dramatic comebacks this postseason, which, of course, I think adds to the aura and the excitement and the hype. And I think what will become the legend of this postseason.
2: Absolutely. I mean, the fact that you saw Kansas City score on their first three drives, touchdowns going up 21 to 3 in yesterday's game. A lot of people were like, you know what, this is clearly in the bag. The Chiefs are going to be going back to the Super Bowl for the third year in a row. But something just happened within the second half that the wheels really came off for KC. And Cincinnati took advantage of those errors. The fact that Patrick Mahomes was making sloppy passes. There's reports of some infighting between Tyreek Hill and Nicole Hardman on the sidelines over the amount of targets they were getting during the game. And you know that kind of divided the Chiefs in that sense. And even you go back last weekend, where it looked like the Rams had it in the bag against the Buccaneers, but Tom Brady orchestrates an insane comeback and forces it to the final seconds, where the Matt Gay field goal ends up winning it for L.A. and sends them on to the next round. It's really something else to see the. Fight and you know, what, I would the even add last two rounds.
1: Yeah, and of course, of course the the Bucks comeback fell just short, and we won't even talk about the insanity at the end of the Buffalo-Kansas City game, which was just totally epic. But the uh, 49ers-Packers game, too. It wasn't a huge comeback by San Francisco, but it kind of almost felt like one in that it just felt like a game that the Packers were going to win. It was not comfortable, but you just got the sense, you know, San Francisco's not going to score, and then, boom, big play. And on a dime, the game shifts, and that momentum, I think, was very much on the side of Cincinnati yesterday. And the question was, can they actually hang on and actually get it done? And, of course, they did. And then in the late game, the Rams, as you mentioned, prevailed at home in a pretty wild atmosphere, pretty closely divided crowd, and they will host this Super Bowl. Back-to-back seasons where the host stadium will actually be the home stadium of one of the teams that's competing. It had never happened before in the history of the Super Bowl and now back-to-back years in Tampa and in Los Angeles. Now, speaking of Tampa, Matt, this was another huge NFL story that didn't necessarily cloud the weekend of football, but very much was a hot topic of conversation. The reported, looming, apparently impending retirement of Tom Brady after 22 seasons, that seemed to be quasi denied by Brady's camp after the reports went everywhere. I just wonder what you make of that. I mean, it kind of seems like he's going to call it quits but wants to do it on his own terms, sort of some shades back to the Supreme Court situation last week here in Washington and a premature leak perhaps. But there's at least some discussion out there that maybe Brady wants to push off the announcement a little bit because of some financial Uh, Concerns If he waits a little bit longer, he might have a certain amount of money coming to him. There's also maybe more of a fantasy out there from some of his fans saying maybe he was planning on retiring, but now he's going to be mad that someone decided to leak this and do it for him. And now he's going to go on some sort of, you know, spite filled revenge tour and play one more season. What do you think of this whole Brady
2: situation? Well, first of all, that latter part, please do not put that into the atmosphere. As a New York Jets fan who suffered with Tom Brady for a long, long time, (laughs) please do not put that back into the atmosphere. That being said, You know, the report came out from ESPN with Adam Schefter and and Jeff Darlington. Jeff Darlington's been covering Tom Brady for decades since he first came into the NFL. And I think that there's definitely a scoop that was there, but it just got leaked out prematurely, much like you brought up the Stephen Breyer situation. It's very similar to that. This is definitely news that was going to be coming down the pipeline that Brady wanted to do on his own terms his Frank Sinatra did it my way moment. And that's why his camp is trying to retreat and say, no, he hasn't decided anything yet. No, nothing's locked down. We don't know for sure. I think they're basically saying, you know what? Yeah, he is going to retire. But if he's going to retire, he's going to say it. It's not going to be a network that reports it for him. And you know what? With the career the guys had, he's going to deserve that moment in the spotlight where he gets to go right off into the sunset and bid farewell. Oh yeah, I mean, Jets. and
1: look, and, and I and have never been insane career. Oh, I mean, it's a t- insane is the right word. I've never been a Tom Brady fan or a Patriots fan, and it's easy to root against you know, a dominant team like that and a dominant player. But you also have to respect what the guy has done. He's earned every bit of that GOAT moniker, greatest of all time. It's not really in dispute in my mind. What is it, 10 Super Bowls that he's played in, seven that he won? He just couldn't beat my Giants when they would go head-to-head in the Super Bowl. I have to point that out. But just the sheer amount of dominance from this guy, and then he goes to Tampa and wins there you know, in his 40s. And the thing, Matt, that struck me when the news broke, and I tweeted about this, that he was uh, going to be retiring, again, yet unconfirmed, Tom Brady made his debut when I still had half of my time left in high school. I had two years left of high school when this guy <laughs> broke in to the NFL. I'm almost 37, and as of now, still he's a defending Super Bowl champion with his – Second franchise, I mean, the
2: durability, in addition to the dominance, is breathtaking. I mean, I remember sitting there at 11 years old, watching Drew Bledsoe get hurt when the Patriots were taking on the Jets, Mo Lewis knocking out Drew Bledsoe on the sideline, and this kid, the 199th pick overall in the 2000 draft, Tom Brady steps in, and the rest is history from there. I mean, he, he did not come away with a win that day against the Jets. But it's remarkable that all these years later, the dominance is just absolutely surreal. I mean, he put up some of the best numbers of his career this year at 44 years old. He was out there looking like he was playing in his prime, like going back to the early 2000s. What the guy has done against time and against opponents is just something that we will not see ever again on, within the game of football. But the fact of the matter is, he's going to probably call it quits. All signs are pointing to him making his exit. You did bring up that there is a stipulation within his contract where he could get some extra money, and that's probably why he's delaying the decision. It's an extra $15 million, and, you know, that's nothing to uh, – yeah, that's no, uh, nothing, nothing to sneeze break. at.
1: I, I, could, I could imagine waiting uh, a little while and waiting a few days on something for $15 million, uh, not that he's going to be hurting for cash ever. But, yeah, that's one story to watch. And, of course, the Super Bowl, two weeks from yesterday – Mid-February, Rams, Bengals, and we might try to get Bill Hemmer back on this show soon. Huge Cincinnati fan. I think I'll be pulling for Burrow and company in the big game. We'll see. Matt Napolitano, sports reporter, Fox News, headlines 24-7 on Sirius XM Channel 115. Matt, always appreciate it.
2: Hey, thanks, Guy, for having me.
1: And with that, we are out of time. The clock is at triple zero, so we're going to walk off just like so many of these NFL playoff games. Back here tomorrow for the Guy Benson Show. I'll be back in studio here in D.C. Looking forward to that. Same time, same place. We will talk to you then. Have a great night. Home stretch on the Guy Benson Show, Tuesday from the Tony Snow Studios in Washington, D.C. Thanks for listening every day, 3 to 6. Catch me on special report coming up. Around 6.40 Eastern, Fox News Channel i will be on the panel tonight. GuyBensonShow.com, our website here. Podcast is always free. Producer Christine was out yesterday. She had a sick child at home. Megan wasn't feeling well. But Megan made the mistake of telling the truth to her school. And now for ridiculous reasons, she is being barred from an event that she was looking forward to. It's been a pretty frustrating few days, it sounds like, with Megan and her education situation, Christine.
0: Yeah, so you know, we try to tell Megan, you know, sometimes less is more when we're talking to the school about like where we're traveling and who has COVID and whatnot. Because if you remember, uh, last April Megan was exposed to somebody and wound up being out of school. I think it was 17 days? Do you
1: remember that yep. over Easter break? No, it was totally crazy what they did. And by the way, if I recall correctly, Christine, she was out of school for 17 days despite testing negative repeatedly.
0: Oh, yeah. We had done the PCR test. We had done rapid tests. She was completely fine. And then remember, it was they were wrapping it around in Easter. So they said, you know what, just keep her out a little longer. And there was no rhyme or reason. It, even though last year was like a free for all, and it's starting to feel this way again. Megan had a little bit of a stomach thing going on yesterday. Obviously, it wasn't COVID. She already had COVID. She had a slight temperature. They called me. Well, she just had COVID, then, right? December. She just had COVID. We all had it. So I knew it wasn't that, but they uh, had me go get her. And Uh, Megan had told them that her babysitter has COVID, and her babysitter's family has COVID, she told the nurse. So now she's technically, quote-unquote, exposed, and they didn't want her back in school now for a couple days. So we had to do this whole thing again, where I have to go get her tested. It's not good enough. Bobby is fighting and fighting with the school. It's It's like a roller coaster that we're dealing with every few months. And she missed her spelling bee, which was pretty important to her. because They she wouldn't had let her come in because no.
1: someone that she knows has COVID. So then they go on high alert. She's not allowed in the building. So this spelling bee that she was preparing for and excited about, it went on without her. And that was, a, what, a huge bummer, I would imagine.
0: Yeah, she, it, it, yesterday was a really rough day. She doesn't usually, you know, get emotional. It it, it was a rough day here, um, and I don't I don't blame her. And then to top it off, I get a text message. Uh, Megan had made this very um, good friend in school this year. They, they play all the time together. I get a text message from her mother that she is sick of the way how our school's handling things and how just in general the state of New Jersey is handling things and she doesn't trust that the masks are going to be off of these kids anytime soon. And she is getting a realtor to come to her house this week. She's putting it on the market and she wants to move to Florida. She's done.
1: Wow. I mean, that's a story that we're seeing over and over again playing out in a lot of states like New Jersey. Let's come back to that in a second the Florida plans that they're hatching here. But tell us what happened that finally seemed to break the camel's back. There was this last straw that happened at school yesterday with something that a teacher said to
0: your friend's daughter, right? I actually have the quote here. It's it's pretty disturbing. And I'm sure she obviously went and uh, talked to somebody about it. But apparently, so I don't know if you know this, but if these kids are outside, you know, say a uh, normally you know a little bit of warmer day. We're in winter here, but if the kids do get to go outside. They're in masks even outside. Say they're running around yeah, playing that's... a game, or they're they're in full. You have to be in a mask. And apparently, it's totally. Her daughter, let's just
1: let's pause there. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. There's no science involved in that decision or that policy whatsoever. It is the official policy in a number of places around the country. We've been talking about, obviously, Los Angeles County, where it's the rule for students, outdoor masking. And even at your daughter's school, a private school in New Jersey, because the public schools are also crazy and dictated by the governor and all this stuff, you decide, let's put Megan in a parochial school. They have been as fanatical and paranoid as anyone. And your daughter's friend... And your friend's daughter, right? So this little girl, eight or nine years old, what, second grade, what happened yesterday?
0: Uh, She was running around with a couple of friends in the parking lot. So outside, and a teacher started screaming at her, saying, put your mask up. Do you want to get COVID and die? That's what
1: she was told. That is just... Demented. That is just deranged. I'm sorry, I would not trust that individual, that teacher, to teach my child, right? If you're out there putting the fear of death into a kid because she's not masked up outdoors, there is such a break from reality. There's such a disconnect from anything approaching science or rational behavior or treating kids the way they ought to be treated. I mean, do you want to die? Kids don't die from COVID, overwhelmingly. There are some examples that are absolutely heart-wrenching, but they are the very rare, vanishingly rare exceptions to the rule. We've documented this over and over again. Kids are at greater risk many years from the flu. They're at greater risk in cars, like car accidents. They're at greater risk swimming in lakes or swimming pools. To be a teacher or a person in a position of authority and to know so little about COVID at this point, or to know and not care to the point that you're telling frightening a little girl, put your mask on outside, you're going to get COVID and die. To me, that is really, really far over the line. I'm not surprised that your friend heard about that, had an earful for the school, and is putting her house on the market and getting the hell out of there. I mean, that is absolutely deranged
0: you know when I, when she first said this to me i said just let's calm down for a second maybe you know i don't think we're going to be in masks next year and she said how how do you know that she goes one sneeze in september and you know the mask mandate's back she goes i cannot trust this anymore and i want my daughter to have a normal school life this is well not it's already normal. been
1: hard on the daughter right like uh, you said you were telling a story yes. about megan and, and school photo day which i think Encapsulated Megan's thoughts on it, but this other girl that you're talking about here has had an even rougher time, right, with the masking?
0: Yes, they're having they're having a pretty tough time. Megan seems to be go with the flow. I mean, she doesn't want to be wearing the mask, and I hear comments every now and then. um You know, oh, it's so nice not to be wearing her mask. Uh, Megan brought home her school pictures yesterday, and I, you know, we're looking at the pictures of Megan. It's, you know, so beautiful. Not yesterday, the other day, and. Megan said to us, do you know what the best part about that day was? And we said, what? And she said the best part was when the photographer said everybody could take their mask off. That's what she thought the best part of picture day was. And she said all the kids started going, we like this guy. We want to stay with him.
1: Yeah. There, I saw there was a woman, a mother, who wrote about how her young child drew a self-portrait and there was no nose or mouth. The self-portrait was just eyes and an Uh. empty face like it is it's crazy out there and i don't blame for a second a parent who has just been worn down time after time in one of these deep blue places with a bunch of neurotic psychos running the show and saying i've had enough i'm not going to do this to my family or my kids anymore we're going to florida
0: Yeah. I mean, obviously, that's not something that my husband and I would be doing, but I'm questioning the school. Like you said, where am I? What am I going to do? Put her in a public school? Because that's probably going to be worse.
1: Yeah, I guess you never know. And by the way, one last note on this down the road from me, Fairfax County, Virginia, which is one of these uh, very Democratic counties. That's where the school board is suing Governor Yunkin, and they're fighting, fighting, fighting to make sure every child has a mask on his or her face for eight hours. Regardless of what the science shows, they don't care. They want to fight Yunkin. They want to pretend that it's about science and just ignore the data completely. They're fanatical about that. Well, the Fairfax County Public Schools just put out their calendar, their academic calendar for next year. Rory Cooper is a parental activist on this stuff. He lives out there. I saw his tweet about this the other day. Fairfax County Public Schools next year in Virginia, the majority of the school weeks on the calendar are four days or less. Most weeks in the upcoming academic year, next year, most weeks are shortened weeks. The majority are four days or fewer, which blows my mind. I remember as a kid looking forward to those long weekends, those occasional weekends very occasional weeks where you had a Friday off or a Monday off for some reason. It was not a regular thing. It was certainly not a majority thing. It was a special irregular thing for certain holidays or teacher development days. And I think the fear from a lot of these parents is the teachers union and some of these teachers got a taste for three-day weekends, and they don't want to relinquish it. And they feel like they can basically get away with anything, even though their party just lost in Virginia. The election just swung 12 points from blue to red. And still you have Fairfax County saying, how about four day school weeks after all the learning loss? Let's do even more learning loss. And what we're really going to fight on, what we're really going to get passionate about is masking kids indefinitely and fighting the Republican governor. I mean, it's no surprise to me that there are people heading for the exits. That's why with last week being school choice week, some families and parents who can't afford to send kids elsewhere, they need to have the resources to do that because the people making these types of decisions cannot have a monopoly over your children because a lot of them do not have your children's best interests at heart. And it's so offensive how the system and these bureaucrats seem to think – that they know what's best for your kid, they'll call you racist and all these things if you're concerned about the well-being of your child. You want to unmask your child? Oh, well, that's that's bad. That's irresponsible. Like, you don't know what's best for your kid? Like, you don't care about the health and well-being of your kid? You're better informed about this stuff than the decision-makers are. Just on and on it goes. I know we keep wondering, is this finally going to be over? Is the dam breaking? Is the fever going to finally end? Maybe at some point. But in certain parts of the country, we're still a ways off from it. And I can understand the siren song of Florida and places like it being awfully appealing. When you're just getting kicked in the face over and over again from administrators, from school board members, from the teachers unions and teachers like the one who told your daughter's friend that she might get covid and die because she didn't have a mask on outside. It's crazy. I know the home stretch is supposed to be fun, but now I'm getting hot. We're out of time. I will gather myself, regain my composure, and see you on special report, 640-ish Eastern Time, Fox News Channel. Back here on the radio tomorrow, same time, same place. It's the Guy Benson Show tonight. I've just heard from Staten Island Chuck here at the Staten Island Zoo. He did not see his shadow. We will have an early spring home stretch on the Guy Benson show. I guess that's different than the other groundhog. Here on Groundhog Day there's one in Staten Island. And I guess the Staten Island groundhog has decided because of shadow related just nonsense that we're going to have an early spring. <laughs> and when you hear the guy announcing it very enthusiastically and then the less than enthusiastic reaction from people who were like I guess we have to be here and we have to do this every year play that again listen to the guy in the background cheering i've just heard from staten island chuck here at the staten island zoo he did not see his shadow we will have an early spring yay Yay. we're adults why are we here why do we do this every year what's the point where's the other one what's it called pete Phil, is that in is that somewhere in Pennsylvania somewhere? All right, let's bring in Christine because of course she loves this stuff and puts uh, a strong stake in the groundhogs and the weather and the forecast. Uh, Christine, can you help me here? I thought bring this was in. in Pennsylvania, but I guess this is a different groundhog in, in New York City. Is this different than the groundhog that Mayor De Blasio killed a few years ago? Help.
0: Okay. The main one is Puck the tawny Phil. That's the guy in Pennsylvania, the one that the Groundhog Day movie is uh, uh, because of. He saw his shadow today. Now, that means we've got six more weeks of winter. But what you heard was Staten Island Chuck. Now, Staten Island Chuck a couple of years ago was actually Charlotte. And that's the one de Blasio dropped. And then there was like a whole thing because actually Charlotte died from her injuries, and the zoo tried to hide it. <laughs> and then Dilfer- so so De
1: Blasio, hang on, hang on. I'm just I'm just trying to keep track yeah. here and following the bouncing ball. So you've got Puxitawne Phil, who's the main groundhog, which is featured as like the the primary rodent of Groundhog yeah. Day, upon which the Bill Murray movie was based. But there's like a knockoff brand in Staten Island that is now Chuck, but used to be Charlotte until Charlotte met the same demise as Carousel, for example, with Bill de Blasio killing the groundhog and you killing the pony. Why do we care about not... the Staten Island one?
0: Oh, because Staten Island Chuck, is he's famous. He, he, he bites. He bit uh, Bloomberg, Mayor Bloomberg, a few times. But... Listen, there are more <laughs> groundhogs than just them. Uh, there's Milltown Mel, and unfortunately, he's from New Jersey. He died two days ago. Um, so they were not Well, able what does
1: that tell us about the winter? If, if the groundhog dies right before mm-hmm. the forecast, does that mean longer winter? Does that mean uh, sooner they just, they spring?
0: The, no, they canceled all events. <laughs> it was just completely canceled. Uh, I didn't know this. But in doing my research, Guy, uh, groundhogs only live for about three years, so the turnover rate is pretty high. Um, and also, there is Georgia's General Bo Lee, Ohio's Buckeye Chuck, Raleigh's Sir Walter Wally, Washington, D.C.'s Potomacville, Portland's foo, foo the Hedgehog, and Connecticut's Scramble the Ducks. Now, uh, a majority of them uh, did not see their shadow, so that's good. That means an early spring. Wait, hang unfortunately- on. Stop,
1: stop, stop, stop. Why should we be trusting a hedgehog or a duck? I thought that this was a groundhog thing.
0: Oh, that's just their name. That's just the names of the groundhog.
1: No, you said it was a hedgehog. You said one of them was a hedgehog and one of them was a duck. Did I just? Oh,
0: oh, yeah. oh you mean the other ones. Yeah, because yeah, they can, yeah,
1: I was like they I can, didn't hallucinate that, did I?
0: Yeah, no they can they can they can predict as well. I mean, okay, but we've but we
1: have, have mixed predictions, right? Yeah, it's like yes you're flipping around the channels. you've got a couple of the groundhog meteorologists saying longer winter and a few of the other meteorologists, groundhog rodents saying, no, no, the spring is coming sooner. Who are we to believe, Christine?
0: So I always go by Puxatawny Phil. He's my main guy. He's Why? The one I, uh, because he's the most famous one, and he's the one the movie was made after. So let's just go with it, guy. You are thinking way too much into this. this is just so he's kind of like the, the
1: Al run. Roker, the Al Roker of Groundhogs, if you will, A very prominent. I mean, perhaps the only other meteorologist even close to that level of prominence is our own Janice Dean, whom I would never compare to any sort of rodent, and I'm also not doing that with Al Roker, just for the record. But. <laughs> I just don't – how did this start? Do we have any sense on how this started? Because it just feels – and maybe I'm being a grump. You but are. But it feels like a played-out, ridiculous, stupid tradition that makes no sense and has no bearing on what actually happens. So I just I just don't understand it. I've never understood it.
0: Um, it's just something that – it's some. Sort of tradition that they did that it, it, it goes back to Germany. Puxatucky, Phil. I think they've been doing it for 136 years so far. Um, it's, it's a big deal. They have thousands of people that go to Gobbler's Knob in Puxatucky, Pennsylvania. Just stop. to that's
1: Stop it. That's what the name of the place is, Gobbler's Knob.
0: Yeah, I don't know why you're making fun of this. <laughs> to our to our Grandhog people out there, I, I apologize on behalf of Guy Benson. I believe just like
1: Santa, I believe. No, no, don't you dare compare this to Santa. I just feel like I cannot fathom waking up on what's today, a Wednesday, waking Mm -hmm. up on a Wednesday and saying today I could go to work or I could take my kids to school, but it's very important that we all hop in the minivan and race down to Gobbler's Knob to see what (laughs) Phil the Rodent has to say about a shadow and the length of winter that has no bearing on actual reality. It's just, you know, if that floats your boat, God bless. And clearly for thousands, uh, it does. It just, for me, you guys mentioned we were planning the show like, oh, it's Groundhog Day. You called it Groundhog's Day. Although you were right, because it sounds like there are multiple Groundhogs with different verdicts based on... I guess whatever the shadow tradition is, just for the life of me, I do not see the appeal at all.
0: I think it's just a fun tradition. Um, Help me out, boys, fellas, come on! Didn't you? You didn't wake up on Groundhog Day, you know, when you were little, and ask your mom like, "Oh, what is the groundhog?" I, I did. I was always so excited about it. Now, let's uh, be fair. There was one. I think it was Alabama's Birmingham, Bill. He didn't wake up from his slumber, and they didn't want to bother him. So uh, we don't no, know. Is he dead? Store. No, no, he's sleeping. That's the whole thing. He oh, he was just, he was just sleeping. Yeah. You're waking the groundhog. The whole tradition is from his slumber. And that's when you he comes out of the tree that he apparently, you know, Built for himself a little home, and he comes. Do groundhogs live
1: in trees?
0: Well, according to Puxatani, the Inner Circle at Gobbler's Knob, they do. But I think it's kind of a superficial tree. An inner I don't know why circle. You're laughing. I,
1: no, just everything I mean, I about called,
0: this. Wear top, no, they wear top hats. They're called the Inner Circle. They wear top hats.
1: They actually have a they have a title. They call themselves the inner circle. These are adults. How does one become a member of the inner circle?
0: Oh, I can't tell you that (laughs) because I actually don't know. But uh, they did say that they're they're a
1: ruthless street gang.
0: (laughs) They they do say he has a good track record. But um, according to NPR, he's only right. Thirty nine percent of the time. But the gentleman. So that's
1: not a good track record. That's a failing track record.
0: You're not making this
1: segment easy. No, I'm not, because the thing is, I think that that this makes sense, that I'm not buying any of it, and you're defending it, because this is the same person here who wants to spend hundreds of dollars to go to a medium, a famous celebrity medium, to talk to the dead. Maybe you can talk to uh, Staten Island Chuck, or was it Charlotte, the dead one? It doesn't matter. Having already wasted a ton of money at a psychic... A few weeks ago, who didn't even predict your hospital stay that was happening just a few days later. I just feel like it's very on brand for you to put stake in the weather forecast of a rodent and a shadow, considering what you're willing to spend your money on, on like related superstitious BS.
0: Someone woke up on the wrong side of. It the bed today oh
1: i know God. i was woken from my slumber in my tree christine <laughs> and a bunch of people in top hats forced me to go out too early and this is what happens i get angry
0: would you prefer an armadillo to predict because they do that in texas
1: i would i would prefer no predictions of any sort except ones that are based on like actual i don't know weather forecasts can you can you predict that far out like, is there an almanac somewhere that you could like look it up based on some sort of actual data as opposed to I I, I do, I feel like such a buzzkill here. But I don't get it. I don't get like who out there gets joy from this? Or puts an Other actual stake in this? Other than me? Other than you.
0: I think I think thousands of upon I would say, dare I say millions. Dare I say millions? Dan Wyatt, somebody help me out here. Don't you love Groundhog Day? Okay, is Groundhog
1: Day good or dumb? I have just one simple comment. Love the movie, don't care about the day. Mm. Fair. Wyatt? Uh, I have to agree with that. Love the movie. Wow. Don't care about the day. Whereas Christine puts a lot of stake in Puxatani Phil. I want to drive a stake through Puxatani Phil. Maybe maybe not through the actual animal, but through the tradition. I would be happy. Can I, like, see my shadow and say we will have six years of no Groundhog's Day, to use your term? That's what I would like to do. Can we decree that? Can we just – can we see a shadow and do away with it at least for, like, half a decade at a time? I just don't know what the inner circle would do with themselves. What would they do? Yeah. Is it every Is it every February 2nd? Is there some significance to this date?
0: Uh, That's a great question, Guy, that I actually don't have the answer to, so thanks for asking. (laughs)
1: Yeah, yeah. this is some uh, excellent scintillating radio that we've done for the last, what is it, 10 minutes? We're out of time, thank God. And I'm seeing, by the way, that Janice Dean, our colleague, was at this location in Pennsylvania today. What is it called? Gulch something? Knob? Whatever. She was there replete and resplendent in groundhog gear. So it can't be all bad. I'm glad that she was making her own sunshine down at the Groundhog event. I'm just going to be a killjoy about it. It's my prerogative. Back here tomorrow on the Guy Benson Show. Same time, same place. We'll talk to you then. Have a great night. Home stretch on the Guy Benson Show on this Thursday, Friday eve. I'll be doing the show tomorrow from Lawrence, Kansas. Looking forward to that, and we will also be attending over the weekend KU Basketball against Baylor. Big game in the Big 12. So excited for that. We'll talk more about that tomorrow on the show. For now, as we return here, final segment, GuyBensonShow.com, podcast always free. First, we want to start with Producer Christine and an update. It sounds like the house sale is moving forward. It's not completely done yet, but there is a target – closing date at this point, the terms are all agreed upon, they're just waiting on one or two last contingencies, Christine, and you are very excited, mostly because you think this vindicates your decision to waste a lot of money on a psychic.
0: Would you like to apologize to Tiana on air right now? I'll give you the floor.
1: I don't know who that is. Is that your psychic? Yes. Does she listen? I think... Or does she just no, know what I'm going to say
0: so she doesn't bother? It you never know. But, I mean, you just – I mean, you could – she could speak or take the apology on behalf of psychics around the world because you were poo-pooing all over it. Yeah. And today we found out that if – there's one more thing we need to do. If that is fine and works out, we are closing – literally in the month of April, which is what she had told me when I didn't even know if it was going to happen at all. So she was right.
1: Yeah, so it hasn't happened yet, number one. Number two, it's generally like a month or two for a closing. So that was a very easy guess, right? This is how they dupe gullible people. And they're like, oh, wow, she was totally right. She didn't see that you were going to the hospital a few days after you were there for your card reading, but she Googled how quickly home closings go and apparently maybe nailed it, and you you view this as vindication.
0: Well, okay, I, I have a thought about the hospital part of that. Maybe she didn't want to scare me. Could you imagine if a psychic had told me, you're going to wind up in the hospital? Can you imagine on what level of crazy... I would have
1: jumped too. So you think that she was? I, <laughs> this was an act of kindness. She saw in your cards that you were about to need to go to the hospital. She just chose, as a matter of propriety, to spare you the anguish and let that be a surprise. That's your take on this?
0: Well, I don't know, if it's necessarily a surprise, but obviously she probably saw that it wasn't going to be. You know, it wasn't fatal but it's catastrophic so she will she, she
1: have told also, you that why would she why would she tell you that you're going to die if she could see that coming if she I don't, didn't
0: i don't think they do i don't think psychics really do do that i don't think they ever tell you you're going to die that would be terrible
1: it's also because they don't know you don't
0: you don't know that they don't know that's all i'm gonna say
1: well what i do me... know is that i could be a psychic and i could tell every single client that they're going to die because that's true. I couldn't predict when, I could give them a range. Like, you know, you're getting up there, so I'd say you're probably roughly what's the average life expectancy like 79 for American women something like that. So I could I could go way out on a limb and say, "All right, Christine, I think that you're 40 years away from death." And statistically on average, I'd probably be right. And you'd be like, "Wow. Take my money." I've-
0: I'm just focusing on the fact that you just said on national radio that I'm getting up there. Thank you. Well, It was
1: subtle. I wasn't sure if you were going to notice.
0: I did. I did. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll listen, if you don't want to apologize, I'll I'll apologize on your behalf.
1: Dude, no, I'm, gonna, I'm good. I'm good. Tatiana, what's your name?
0: Tatiana.
1: <laughs> Tiana. Yeah, I'm good. Yes. Uh, it's it's fine. I'm I'm perfectly comfortable with my take on this situation and on that industry, that overall grift in general. Meanwhile, you pointed out this story earlier. It's kind of strange. You've seen this uh, cube of gold sitting in Central Park. It's worth almost $12 million. It's a giant cube of pure gold just sitting there in the middle of the park in New York City. And it has its own, I guess, round-the-clock security team And number one, I hope that security team is led or the entire team is simply William Devane. I feel like he was made for this because he's Mr. Gold, obviously. I'm curious how you actually protect something like this. I would imagine it's quite heavy. So it would take quite a lot of effort and coordination to thwart the security team. But it's also a $12 million item sitting in the middle of a public area, not protected by all the bells and whistles in sort of extravagant museum setups or anything like that. It's just sitting on the ground there. And I couldn't help but wonder, Christine, if you might be actively plotting, because now that you've gotten a taste for some of the finer things in life in advance of selling your home at a handsome profit – Might you be going back to your roots, your original roots as a trained KGB agent and spy and plotting like an Ocean's Eleven style caper here where you guys can go in and pull off the heist? I don't know why I thought of this, but as soon as I heard the story about the $12 million block of gold sitting out in public within driving distance of your home, I just started to imagine you in a basement crowded around a table with an elaborate scheme underway. Is that happening? Or do you not want to say publicly? Uh, what,
0: what, are you, so now you think I'm a thief? Now you think that I uh, uh, rob people? And first of all, by the way... Well, your mother
1: sort of is, right? You're, you've already talked about how your mother is like sort <gasps> of a thief with her whole scheme yeah, where she returns she things know. that are like 40 years old and returns them for new things and then pretends like she doesn't have them or whatever. So I'm just saying maybe you're taking it to the next level especially with your sort of intelligence training would you okay when you are considering a 12 million dollar heist, heist like this are you more like go in with a bunch of muscle and do a smash and grab and just overwhelm them with force or are you looking for something more elaborate where there's a diversion then maybe a hologram of the gold and they don't know it's gone like which which general approach would you take
0: I think I would fool them with trickery. I don't think I would just go in, you know, heavy loaded and say, give me the cue, give me all you've got. Which is well, it might cute. depend on who you well, have
1: on the team, right, and who your squad is, who would be on the heist team. Who would you like to have on your heist team? I, I feel like I would not be very good at it. Quiet Wyatt is very you, good at being quiet. He could be, you know what, Wyatt could be a good lookout. But you'd need some muscle. You need some beef. You need some people who could really knock heads. Tyrus? Tyrus. Maybe Fela? Jimmy Fela?
0: Yeah, you know what? Fela would be good because, and not necessarily the muscle, and don't tell him I said that, but, you know, he he could be the fooling part. Like, he can, you know, crack some jokes, make them laugh as Tyrus and I are running. Right.
1: He's over there entertaining the horseback police in Central Park with his jokes. Now, the thing is, I was going to say that Jimmy could drive the getaway car because he was, as he will remind us every day, a cab driver. So he could be the getaway driver in Manhattan. But let's be honest, we all know how you're getting away on a pony. Back here tomorrow on The Guy Benson Show from Kansas, Middle America. Can't wait for that. Same time, same place right here. We will talk to you then. Have a great night. On the Guy Benson Show Friday edition. Happy almost weekend. Thanks for being here with us every day, 3 to 6 p.m., and then bonus Benson on the weekends. Podcast always free, GuyBensonShow.com. Special thanks again to KLWN, FM 101.7, AM 1320, here in Lawrence, Kansas, which is where we're doing the show today. Lawrence, Kansas, why am I here? Well, I mentioned it weeks ago. My father in law, As a Christmas gift to me, he's a KU grad, University of Kansas grad, big KU basketball fan, and he knows that I'm a college sports fan. And one of the meccas of college basketball in this country, an iconic venue, is Allen Fieldhouse, home of the Kansas Jayhawks. So he's very well connected at KU. He's got a friend who's a huge donor, and I guess they know the athletic director and all this stuff. So he said, as a Christmas gift, pick a game, and I'll fly you guys out, and we can do a basketball weekend at KU. And I said, uh, sold. That sounds amazing. And here we are. It's snuck up on us. It's already February. I may or may not have deliberately chosen this game for a reason. It's tomorrow afternoon. It's going to be on ESPN National Television. Number eight, Baylor visiting number 10 Kansas, huge Big 12 matchup featuring the defending national champions, Baylor Bears, and the amazing pedigree, of course, here in Lawrence in the University of Kansas basketball program, and I'm just so excited to be a part of the atmosphere and see all the traditions play out. That's going to be tomorrow, and I'm just out of my mind. I'm so excited for this. I'm not a fan of either of these teams. I'll probably pull for the home team and— it's my father-in-law's team, so that'd probably be stupid of me to be rooting for Baylor for no apparent reason, with all apologies to Baylor fans out there. But I just want to take it all in, and I'm hoping it's just a raucous, fun experience and a good game. That's what I'm rooting for. And just to be out here in Lawrence, the place just oozes basketball. So, again, many thanks, KLWN, for accommodating us, and it made it just a lot easier to make everything work to do the show here from this station. In the meantime, Quiet Wyatt sent this story to the team, and we got talking about it on our planning call earlier, and Christine got all worked up about it and started walking down memory lane about her time as a child. I had to sort of interrupt her because, like, we had to plan the show, but I promised we would talk about this issue if you want to call it an issue during the home stretch, Apparently, New York City public schools are now going to start serving vegan-only meals on Fridays. Now, is this requiring everyone who gets a school meal to have a vegan meal, or is it just now an option on Fridays? Because to me, growing up, I believe Fridays were for pizza, and pizza is not a vegan product because there's cheese. So unless you have fake vegan cheese... That would not be an option. And the fake vegan cheese, with all due respect, does not sound very appealing to me. What's the deal here, Christine? Are they mandating veganism for school lunch recipients in New York City on Fridays?
0: Yeah, you can't you can't have meat on Fridays. They had already implemented a meat ban on Fridays and Mondays. So They were still allowing, like you said, dairy, pizza, nachos, that type of thing on Fridays. But now it's vegan only. So no dairy, no pizza Fridays. Uh, You can enjoy maybe, say, some broccoli, kale salad. I don't know. I I really don't know. Enjoy.
1: Yeah, we can put that in quotes. Although I like broccoli, I like kale. I'm not sure as a kid that would have been at the top of my list for school lunch on a Friday. Sorry, it just wouldn't have been
0: never bought lunch growing up except on Fridays when it was pizza Fridays. And uh, our school was awesome. Cause they actually brought in pizza from an actual like pizza parlor. So oh, our pizza was like... not good. Right. Right. Yeah. No, I, I, I've which is before, disgraceful,
1: like to be in New Jersey. Cause this is when, well, actually now we're going to really go off the rails here. But when I was growing up overseas, In Hong Kong, so my early childhood years, kindergarten, first grade, second grade, the school that I went to in Hong Kong was Hong Kong International School. And listen to this, the daughters, if I recall correctly, of the CEO of Hong Kong McDonald's attended my school. So our school lunch program was McDonald's. No. Yep, and you could, and my parents wouldn't let me do it very often. Like, once every few weeks, they would let me do a McDonald's order. And I was so mad because I was so jealous of other kids who would have it more. And, of course, my parents, looking back, were correct about this. You should not be eating McDonald's every day for lunch, as some people did. But there was a list of maybe seven or eight menu items that you could order, including McNuggets, including the Big Mac. And that was our school lunch program. You could order McDonald's in, and they would show up at the classroom and hand it out to people, which was kind of amazing. So then I moved back to the U.S., and you are in New Jersey, surrounded by the best pizza in the world, and I've talked about that before. I, I will stand behind that. Bagels and pizza, it is just nowhere better than mm-hmm. northern New Jersey in particular for those items, and you've got all this amazing pizza, probably seven or eight fabulous pizzerias in our town and we have the little like gross square frozen pizza things that they served in school and it seemed like a real missed opportunity
0: we did not have that like i said we brought in the pizza which was unbelievable now on other days i monday through thursday i only brought and let me tell you something i brought lunch all the way through my senior year of high school when people probably were not buying lunch they were either leaving to go get lunch or you know had their own money or it just you know you weren't bringing a brown paper bag when you're 17 years old to school but i was because my mother hands down made the best lunches i i don't know another mother that made better lunches she just always had the freshest cold cuts she would go morning up to go get me a fresh roll or croissant or bagel that I wanted. She would have all the good snacks, and sometimes she put soda in there. And all my friends—I'm not kidding—all my friends would beg me. They're be like, "Could your mom make me a sandwich?" She did it, and she had some nice notes, but she's not usually the most friendliest. So, now, Judgey down, Joyce,
1: this one. sounds like this sounds like a labor of love. She showed you her love through her elaborate school lunches that she would pack for you every day. That actually sounds a little bit much. Were you a diva? Were you a little little princess
0: getting your fresh croissant every day? Yeah, my sister tells a story. When I was probably in middle school, the bus came very early, and my mother wanted to make sure that I, I was eating. She would hand-feed me as I was trying to get ready. She'd be like, come on, just a couple more bites of cereal. And my sister would look at the us and say, you two are pathetic. <laughs>
1: She would hand-feed you. How is that even more efficient? That would slow everything down. That's weird. I'm sorry. That's weird. Well,
0: I was, getting, I was trying to get ready or get out the door. She yeah. goes, Come on. One this is time, explaining one some things. This is
1: explaining some things.
0: <laughs> another layer? Another layer?
1: Another layer of the producer Christine uh, cookie onion has been peeled back. I think that is—yeah, I think that's true. So she would make what? The uh, sandwiches? What were the go-to snacks? Why was everyone so jealous?
0: Because I was she she wasn't really caring about the health factor of my lunch, so I always had the fruit roll-ups, the um, gushers, the like you know the like Dunker. Do you remember Dunkaroos? I do I remember Dunkaroos. This, I always had the good snacks. There wasn't she I wasn't pulling out a little baggie of you know cut up apples or carrots or cucumbers. And I'm not kidding. She would go get like fresh croissants because I. Went through a phase where I thought I was French, and I loved croissants, so she would, you know, put it Oh, I remember that phase.
1: There. Was it during that phase, in fact, Cookie, that you went to France and got mugged by a mime?
0: <laughs> it could have been, yep. possibly. Yeah, Speaking of I, the I, I uh, have...
1: cookie onion, that's another fun story. That's a callback. I'd forgotten about the mime mugging <laughs> until right now. Oh, so you went through a French phase, and you got French lunches. That's actually very impressive. Maybe one day Judgey Joyce can prepare a lunch for me. She can hold off on the Dunkaroos. I actually like sliced apple. I'm that weird kid. But I think we can probably agree a school lunch in New York City where it's vegan every Friday. You know, I might have just thought of one reason why I would want to wear a mask in school as a kid if they're trying to feed me some vegan school lunch. By the way, if we think we got some angry responses, not angry, but some scolding responses to our making fun of Groundhog Day and Phil the Groundhog, wait till the vegans come after me. I actually wonder how many vegans we have in the Guy Benson Show audience. I'm sure there are some, and I'm not judging you. I'm just saying I'm glad that you've made that choice for yourself, and it is not a choice that I would ever, 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 ever make because I value my happiness. (laughs) And food makes me happy, particularly delicious animals and cheese. That's a great way to end the week. Back here on Monday from D.C. on The Guy Benson Show, we'll see what happens tomorrow at Allen Fieldhouse here in Lawrence, Kansas. I believe the phrase is rock, chalk, Jayhawk. I'll be a fan for a day here at KU. We'll tell you about it Monday. Have a great weekend. It's the Guy Benson Show.
2: That was this week's edition of Bonus Benson. For more Guy Benson Show, go to GuyBensonShow.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Clay Travis. Join me for Outkick the
1: Show as we dive deep into a mix of topics. New episodes available Monday to Friday on your favorite podcast platform and watch directly on Outkick.com
2: forward slash watch.